that to Jesus. We are here today and we worship and we have hope and we, we have a future and we owe it all to Jesus. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life because of Jesus. My sins have been forgiven because of Jesus. I, are y'all with me? My soul that helped me today. Amen. Amen. Let's do this. Let's go ahead and put that picture up in the parking lot real quick. Y'all can turn. Y'all can turn to Acts chapter number four. And then we're just going to read one verse and I'll let you sit down. So don't get all excited. Amen. We'll, we'll, we'll let you sound just a second. But I want to show you this and I, I'll show it to you at, at the end again. But some of y'all like to get out early. So I'm going to go ahead and show you now so you don't miss it. Amen. All right, next week. How many are glad? Look at that. Half of us already done. Can we give God praise and glory right there? Yeah, that was a little weak. I ain't going to lie. I ain't going to lie. I can tell some of y'all ain't been parking down there. <clears throat> For you that do park down there, will you help me give God praise and glory? Amen. <laughs> yeah. All right. Listen, this is what we're going to have. This is next week, okay? Next week. This section is going to be closed. That means this entrance is going to be closed. So what we, what we need to do is come through here, come through here. And, and instead of parking in here, there's no mean no parking in there, correct? No parking in this area. Y'all know this little back way where nobody goes the right way anyway. Say amen. <laughs> All right, that's going to be a lane. It's going to be two-way. So, so make sure and, and, and don't run into nobody. We don't need no head-on collisions. Are y'all with me? So we'll go in and out this way, in and out this way, and this all of this will be open, okay? So that's next week. So if that makes sense, say amen. amen. You say, I, I can't understand that. Don't worry. Just do what you're told when you get here, and you'll be all right. Yeah. All right, we're going to have people out. We're going to have a ton of people out there to direct traffic. It's going to be good. Just be patient. One more week, maybe two more weeks, and we'll have it all done, and it's all going to be good in the hood. Say amen. Amen. All right, Acts chapter number four. Let me say this too. Let me say this. Uh, uh, we have we have our blood drive today. We have our blood drive today. And listen, this is what, what this is what they've done for us. This is great. Uh, they have sent twice the amount of personnel to help take care of everybody. So it won't be that long a wait. You know, last time there was a little bit of wait. Well, that, we're not going to have that this time. I mean, that gym is packed full of people ready to stick you with a needle. <clears throat> Are y'all with me? Say amen. I mean, honestly, it kind of spooked me a little bit when I first walked in there because I forgot it was today and they was all, and they all started looking at me. I said, whoa, I'm preaching. Amen. I got, you got to wait till afterward. But anyway, please stop. Please help us. Uh, the blood is, it, the, the, the blood supply is very low and they need our help today. So if you can, uh, just stop just as soon as the service is over, uh, just run through there and they'll take care of you. Hey, they got some free drinks and crackers and some free t-shirts. Amen. Amen. You can go and say, I did my part. Amen. Oh, that's weak. Oh, <laughs> Listen, uh, Dustin may throw in a free Mountain Dew too, all right? So help, help us with that right after the service. Now, some of y'all hadn't smiled yet, but I'm going to get you for so with. So y'all might as well loosen up, loosen up. Everything's going to be good. Aren't you glad to be saved? Yeah. Aren't you glad to go to a church that's got the Spirit of God in it? Yeah. My soul, what a blessing, what a blessing. Let's read that one verse because I know that's what you're waiting on so you can sit down. All right. Verse number 13, verse number 13. Here's what I want to do. I want to read that verse, and then I want to go back to chapter number 3, and I'm going to explain it. I'm going to just tell you the story and then give you the, give you the outline this morning. We're going to kind of, tag, uh, kind of tag on what Brother Edwards started with last week. Was that not a convicting message last week? My soul. Letting Jesus be seen in us, all right? So verse number 13, when you get there, say amen. 
Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them. Now, read it with me. That they had been with Jesus. Wow. Let's say that again. That they had been with Jesus. Amen. They just good old country boys. Amen. Didn't have no education whatsoever. Right. Probably said y'all in Hebrew. <laughs> but there's one thing that stood out. They took note. These boys don't have it all together. But they must have been hanging around Jesus. Let me ask you a question. When people saw you this week, when they saw your attitude, when they heard the words that you spoke, when they saw how you treated people around you, did they say, my, my, my. They must have been hanging around Jesus. Or did they feel like you've been hanging around somebody else? (laughs) They took note that they had been with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings and your mercy and your kindness. Thank you for the spirit that's in this place. Thank you for the privilege and the honor it is to come to this church and worship and be in your presence and, and be able to hear your word. Please help me. I desperately, I I need you as much right now in this moment as Peter needed you in chapter number four when he stood before the Sanhedrin. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you will give us strength, give me the words to say, please, I I love you and and, and I fail all the time and I make mistakes and I'm sorry and I pray that you forgive me for that. But in this moment, in this moment, I need your presence and I need your power desperately. Please help me. Please help me help them. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to do this since I got my, my, little, my little deal. Can you put that picture up? Do, do, do y'all have that picture of, of, of Jerusalem in, in that day? Uh, here's, if you've been coming on Wednesday nights, you've been getting a lot of this. I've been sharing a lot of uh, stuff because we have a whole lot more time to go into detail with this. Uh, but this is a model, uh, a model of the Jerusalem, what it would have looked like in Jesus' day. This is in the, in the museum in Israel. We got to go here and go around this and everything. But this is the temple. You would be standing, you would be standing on the Mount of Olives uh, here. Uh, there's the Kidron Valley there. And that would have been what Jesus saw when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives praying when he, the night he was arrested. That is, that is the, the Temple Mount. This whole area right here is the Temple Mount. If you want to look in modern day Israel, uh, that is the area where the the Dome of the Rock is. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? The Dome of the Rock, that golden looking building there in Rome, that's where that is. But this is what I want to show you. Here in this this, this place, uh, right here is the poor area. This is where all the poor people would have lived, the, the, the beggars, the, 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 those that were down and out, the outcasts. Up here would be the, the rich folk. This is where the politicians live. This is where the, uh, the high priests and everybody in the upper echelon of, of the nation of Israel. Right here you have uh, uh, the Antonia Fortress uh, named after uh, Mark Antony built by Herod the Great. This is all, obviously the temple and then the Temple Mount area. Well, on this side, on this side, there is gates coming in. 
And many scholars believe that those were the gates that was seen here in Acts chapter number 3. And, and so let me, let me tell you what happened in Acts chapter number 3 and just go through it instead of reading it all and save a little time. Uh, Peter and John, after, after Jesus had resurrected and went on back to glory after his 40 days here on this earth, they were ministering, they were doing their thing. Pentecost has already happened. That's Acts chapter number 2. And there were 3,000 that got saved at Pentecost. Say amen right there. 3,000 believers trusted in Christ, believed in Christ. This was not people who made professions. This was genuine belief. This was genuine salvation. Now, now keep in mind, keep in mind that the, the book of Hebrews had not been written yet. Uh, uh, that this and the only thing they had and the only thing they knew where to gather would be at the temple. All right? So uh, this is the early church and, and they would come in. And they were still going through a lot of the rituals, coming to the temple to pray. And that was, oh, don't, don't take my picture down. Don't take my picture down. Put it back up. Amen. There we go. All right. And on this side, on this side, there, were, there was the gate. And many believe that was the gate that, was, that, that Peter and John was going in in the beginning of chapter 3. And this is what happened. Peter and John are going into the temple in the hour of prayer. Uh, uh, and, and actually, it was 3 o'clock. Three o'clock, and and so they were going, doing their thing. They were just they, they, nothing special. They were going through their routine. It was their habit uh, to do this. And as they were going up on those steps on that side, coming in, there was a beggar. Now this was a great place for a beggar to be. If there was any place a beggar would want to be, it was here because it was at this place that many of the people, many I know nobody here does this. Nobody here does this. Nobody at temple does this. But there were people that would come to the temple and offer offerings to impress God. To impress God. Because maybe they hadn't lived that great that week, so they had to come and make up for it. Nobody in here does that. Say amen. Listen. So what a great place to be if you, if you were a beggar. Because what great place would be, hey, I can, I can show God that, that, you know, and give a little bit to the beggar before I go in. If that makes sense, amen. amen. Well, here he is, here he is at the gate and uh, at the steps. And Peter and John, are, they're, they're coming into the temple to, to, to do their prayer. There's probably, there's probably hundreds and maybe, maybe even thousands trying to funnel through this gate and through this area up these steps to go into the, the Temple Mount area to go to the temple for the time of prayer and the evening sacrifice. And, and all of a sudden here we, we find this beggar. This beggar had been a, a, a cripple, but before, but listen, when he arrived broken, he was born with this problem. He was born with this issue. So this didn't just come upon him. Everybody knew about this guy. Everybody knew. He had been there years and years. Some, some scholars, said they, 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 they believe he was about 40 years old. But either way, here he is. Peter and John stopped. And this gets him excited. Because he's expecting, hey, somebody's fixing to give me some money. I'm fixing to get some money. And he looks at him. And this is what Peter says. Now this should, this should destroy all the prosperity preaching in America, the name it and claim it crowd who preach and says, listen, if you, you, you do what God says, God will make you rich and famous. This is what Peter said. Silver and gold have I none. <laughs> he was definitely Baptist. Say amen. <laughs> Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he grabbed him by the hand, snatched him up. His ankle bones and his legs gained strength, and he was able to walk. And son, I'm telling you, he was so excited. Hey, wouldn't you be? 
Man, the Bible says he was leaping and praising God. He was excited. He was giving God the glory. Man, this was something else. And the Bible says it started a commotion. All the people heard it. I mean, they saw what had happened. And now think about this. Think about this. Come on, let's, 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 let's use our imaginations a little bit. If there was somebody in downtown Coleman that was, was crippled and he could not walk and he'd been there all the time and he was like a, a main fixture of the community and somebody walks by and grabs him by the hand and now he's walking and praising God, wouldn't you go see? Hello. People start coming from everywhere. Everywhere. And they're like, whoo, they are blown away. I'm talking about they are so amazed. They can't believe this is happening. Look at this. And they're looking at Peter and John. And this is great. This, I love Peter's response. This is, this is Peter's response. What are you looking at me for? It's there. I'm paraphrasing, but it's there. He says, why, why are you looking on us? Why, why do you think that we had uh, that, that it was our power that did this? Why do you think that it was our purity or our, our holiness, our religiosity that did anything? Let me tell you, this man is standing before you whole in faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't us. We didn't, we're, we're nothing. We're nothing. Jesus is everything. Are y'all with me? And then he drops the hammer on them. He said, you know, you know, you remember, you remember the Jesus that you were shouting, crucify him, crucify him, the one that you rejected, the one that you killed, you killed the prince of life. Man, we can't even handle hard preaching anymore. That, that, everybody says, oh, that don't go to that church, that's, that, that's fire and brimstone church. We don't, we don't want to offend nobody. We don't want to shake. We, you know, let's don't rock the boat. Let's say, who am I to say here? You know, it was asked on, on, on Larry King, uh, uh, you know, on the show, as a prominent TV preacher about is there only one way to heaven or, or is this person uh, right? Can they, they, can they uh, uh, commit this sin or, or live in this sin, this, this particular lifestyle and still be crazy? He said, well, who am I to judge? I want to choke him to death. Say Amen. <laughs> Peter had a backbone. Peter said it just like it was. He said, you killed him. You would rather a murderer be released to you. Are y'all with me? You killed him. You killed the prince of life. You killed the son of God who, the, who God has glorified and put, oh, say amen. But then he says, but I got good news. You can repent. You can repent and he will save you anyway. Even though you killed him. Even though your sin is black as night. He will forgive you and wash you white as snow. And so they begin to preach until dark. It doesn't got into the evening. And, and some, some scholars say it was about three hours. Y'all worried about an hour in here and they was three hours. Come on people. I'm not long-winded a bit. At least you don't have Pastor Peter here. Say amen. Well, guess what happened? The authorities got wind of it. Now, if you've been coming on Wednesday night, you, you'll know what I'm talking about right here. Annas, 
the former high priest who was really the big dog in town. He was still pulling the strings. Uh, Joseph Caiaphas, who was the official high priest who was appointed by Rome. Then you had uh, many believe that the other two, uh, uh, John and Alexander, were, were uh, 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 Annas' sons. So it's a family deal. It's a fam- These were the ones who was responsible for all of, the, all of the business, everything going on. It was the temple police. And they came and they were greatly disturbed. They were grieved. Why? Because Peter and John are preaching that Jesus is alive. That the power of the Lord Jesus has made this man whole. Now we got a problem. Because it wasn't just a few weeks ago that we had him killed. The elders and the leaders were responsible. They are the ones that put this thing together. They are the ones who were responsible for killing Jesus. And now you're saying it was Jesus that healed this man. We've got problems, people. We've got to stop this. So they arrest him. They arrest him and bring them before the elders in the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was basically the, the Supreme Court of Israel. There were 70, there were 71 in the Sanhedrin. There was like a, a, a minor Sanhedrin and a major Sanhedrin. There was a court system in all of the, all of the villages and cities of, of Israel. And then they would, they would come together and there would be 71. And they had them in kind of like a semicircle. And they would put whoever they are examining, they would put them in the middle of them. And so here you have Peter and John and this crippled man sitting in the Sanhedrin, sitting in, and they're wanting to know, hey, hey, now we're in chapter 4, guys. And by the way, by the way, before they got arrested, 5,000 people believed the sermon. Say amen. And, And so now here they are, here they are, they don't resist. They don't resist. Peter done learned his lesson, put his sword up and just preach and let God take care of his business. Amen. And so here they are. Here they are before the Sanhedrin. And they asked Peter, how'd you do this? How is this possible? Because everybody knows this guy. Everybody knows him. There's no mistake in this. This was not a setup. This was not, uh, you, you see Charlatan Acts today. This was the real deal. They can't speak against it. How did you do this? He said, if we be examined this day for this deed that's done, and man, he goes and preaches his message again. Same message. You killed him. But there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved but by the name Jesus Christ. Man, he was bold. He was courageous. He didn't step back. He didn't stutter. He was full of the Holy Ghost. And God gave him the words to say. And they couldn't say nothing about it. And and now here's here's where we come to the verse. Now all the Sanhedrin, all the elders, all the temple police, listen, they're standing here looking at these guys. And they're saying, wait a minute, man, something, what is the deal with this? These are fishermen. These are Galileans. Let let me put it in Alabama terms. These are just old country rednecks. They've not been to the rabbinical schools. They've not been to seminary. They don't have formal training. How are they acting like this? How are they believing like this? How how do they have such power in their words? These are just uneducated, ignorant hillbillies. But I tell you what, it's so evident that they've been with Jesus. Amen. Right. Yes. <laughs> Let me tell you something else that was said about these rednecks. The Bible says that they turn the world upside down. Yeah. 
Now, guess what? Now, you may not like this. You may not like this. But people, <clears throat> well, this part you may could care less about. Uh, but there's people that, that won't go to church here because I don't talk right. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't say everything quite like, you know, I, I, I'm not real proper in that matter. And that's okay. That's okay. Uh, but guess what? You're connected to me. <clears throat> Whether you like it or not. And they say, they say, if a pastor's been at the place more than three years, the congregation just like them. So, nah. Hey, hey, you don't attract what you want. You attract what you are. And if you don't like what you see, you better look in the mirror because you just like me, honey. And you know what's blowing the minds of people? You know what's blowing the minds of pastors all over America that that know me and know about Temple? They are blown away that a country hillbilly hick who would rather be in the woods with his dog is building a church like this in Coleman. They can't believe it. There's only one explanation. They must be hanging out with Jesus over there. If you can explain why it's growing, it ain't God. People ask me all the time, what, is, what are you doing? <laughs> you know what? To be honest, probably not much different than what a lot of them are doing. But God is choosing to do this. Now, and I'm going somewhere with this. I promise you, I'm going somewhere. I'm going to give you an outline. <clears throat> Last week, Brian, he challenged us to, to live in such a way that people can see Jesus in us. Visible Jesus. Man, what a convicting sermon. You know what I told him? God is my witness. I told him as we was eating, we was eating lunch right after. And, uh, and this is what I told him. I said, son, let me tell you something. Don't take this the wrong way, and I hope you're not offended. And, and he won't be. I don't care what I tell him. You're not going to be offended because we're good friends, and I, I can tell him anything. He can tell me anything. I said, I don't want to hurt your feelings, and I don't want to offend you. But if you want to sell a bunch of them books, don't preach that sermon before you try. Because <laughs> when something convicts me really bad, I don't want no more of it. Say amen. <laughs> Are you all with me? Man, he challenged us. He gave that quote of that atheist who said, you know, how bad do we have to hate somebody not to tell them about heaven? Why in the world? I, I, was, listening, I was listening to John MacArthur today in a message that he had preached, and, and he said, this is an amazing thing. This is an amazing thing. That in that day, they were, they were commanded to not speak up about Jesus. In chapter number four, they were commanded, don't preach no more in this name. Don't speak up about Jesus. And the modern day pastors are struggling to get their people to speak up about Jesus. Right. Amen. Man, that's a sad turn of affairs, church. How do we, how do we make Jesus visible? How do, how do we make Jesus visible? I want to go to the practical side of this. Brian dropped the hammer and told us we're supposed to and, and all of that. But I want to I go practically. How do we do that? What, what was, what, can, y'all, can y'all see by the response that the Sanhedrin had, can y'all see that they were making Jesus visible? Would you agree? 
right? Now, what, what were they doing? What, what were they doing and what did they have that caused them people, the Sanhedrin, the educated crowd, to say, hey, we take note, they've been with Jesus. Because this is what I want. This is what I desire, especially my life. No doubt, no doubt at all, my life. But I want it in you too. I want it in you too when people see you in town, when people see you at work, when people see you in the market, when people see you in the school, when people see you in traffic. I want them to say, I don't know what it is about them. But they must have been hanging around with Jesus. Are y'all with me? Three things. Write this down. Write this down real quick. I got to hurry. What what made it obvious that they had been with Jesus? Number one, they had a ministry. They had a ministry. Now, before you think, don't have a preconceived idea of what you think a ministry is. When I use the word ministry, you automatically think of a church, church program, a, a missions organization, uh, a Sunday school class, all of these things. But that's not what I'm talking about. <clears throat> that's not what I'm talking about. Too many times, too many times we connect religion, spirituality, uh, uh, ministry with what happens in the, in the confines of this property. And, and this is something that God's working on me in a couple weeks. God, if, if, if things still go the way I think it's going to go, I'm going to do a little sit down. I'm going to put a chair right here and I'm going to speak to you heart to heart where I think God's taking us. And we've got to move. We've got to move from the mentality that church and our, our Christianity is all about what we do in here. Because really, to be honest, what we are doing in here is just to, to support and to contribute to our ability to do what we do out there. And see, Peter and John, they were just in their routine. They were just doing their daily deal. And they come across a man who was crippled. They were taking advantage of an opportunity that's here. Now watch this. How did they have a ministry? Let me, let me read the definition. Let me read the definition to, to ministry. That way you, you can understand that you can have one of these. And you do have one, whether you know it or not. Here's what the, 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 the Webster's uh, Dictionary, Webster's Dictionary said, ministry, agency, service, aid, instrumentality. Service, aid, instrumentality. In other words, in other words, an instrument used to aid or serve someone. Guess what? Holding a door open is a ministry. Helping someone fix a tire is a ministry. Making someone else's life better is a ministry. Are y'all with me? I am amazed. I am amazed. I, I, I watch people all the time. I watch people all the time. And if you'll notice something, we are getting more isolated by the day. Technology is doing this. Culture is doing this. I, I was in an elevator several times this week. Several times in an elevator. And, and if you'll notice people, and what it, it blew my mind because I'm usually the shyest one in there. But God's kind of working on me with this. I'm trying to make Jesus visible. And, and, and I go in the elevator. And if you watch people, 
right? And so I've been making myself, making myself. How you doing? And they're like, you speak to me? Okay. How about you? Oh, man, I'm doing great. You having a good time this week? And here we go. And before you know it, in just a matter of minutes, not even really minutes because, you, you know, you're going up and down the elevator. They're fixing to get out. I, I, I saw this. I witnessed this several times. And I started doing it on purpose just to see the reaction. <laughs> By the time they got out of the elevator, I, I usually just said, how you doing? Y'all enjoying yourself? Just, just trying to be nice, trying to, to uh, usually before they you have a good one. Their whole, their whole expression changed. They got in looking down, and they left with a smile. I know you think, oh, that's... Hey, I'm telling you, people are surrounded by people, yet they're lonely. And it's just an opportunity. Do you realize just being kind is making Jesus visible? I put here, they use their gift. They use their apostolic gift. They healed this man. Jesus gave them special apostolic gifts of healing to be able to validate the message that they're going to give. Now, you say, well, preacher, I can't heal nobody. I can't heal nobody. You might not can heal somebody, but you can help somebody. Now, I'm not going to go get into debate that they're still healing. I believe Jesus still heals. I I, I believe you can pray, and he tells us to pray the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I don't believe in Benny Hinn. I don't believe in any of these preachers on TV saying, if you'll send $19.99, I'm going to send a a prayer cloth that I prayed over. Put it on your cancer, and it's going away. I don't believe that junk. That's garbage. I believe there was a time when Jesus operated in a certain way during the apostolic period. I believe that without a doubt. They use a gift he gave. Well, I still believe in healing. I've got that healing gift. Well, you're getting in my truck, and we're going to Children's Hospital right after church. Right immediately after church, immediately, right now. We going. Y'all with me? Listen, I'm I'm going to concede. If you got that gift, are you using it? Use your gift. We all have them. Ephesians 4 teaches us plainly that we all have. Are you using your gift? Whatever that might be to alleviate the pain of someone else, to help somebody. Do you wake up in the morning and say, think, how can I help somebody today? We don't. We don't. We become so self-centered. We become so self-focused in America that all we think about is our own problems and our own pains and our own issues. And, and listen, we just, and that's why we're all in a depression. But if we would get up and say, I want to make somebody, and you say, preacher, I don't think I need to go looking for that. You don't have to. It'll find you. God will create the opportunities if you will just take advantage of it. I was in a sandwich shop. I think it was called Jersey Mike's. Unbelievable. I mean, it was a great sub, too. Well, I'm standing here, and, and you got to kind of follow the Holy, Holy Spirit's leadership. Because you, you, don't, you don't manufacture this stuff, and I'm going to show you that here in just a minute. But, but the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. Make Jesus visible. Make Jesus visible. I'm, I'm in a sub shop, Lord. 
and I'm talking about it's packed. How many of y'all know when you, you got a line and, 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 and the line's going and curving and almost to the door, people want their sub. And they don't want to wait, and they don't want you. And I'm like, how, how can I do this? How, I'm thinking in my head, how, how am I going to do this and not, you know, I don't want to preach a sermon right here in front and, and, and distract because this woman, I mean, she's diligently working, and, and there's a line of people. So, and, and by the way, too, I believe that you need to keep that in your head. I don't believe in trying to keep people from their job while you're trying to do your thing. Don't, 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 don't be over spiritual and so, so, so heavenly minded you're no earthly good. So I'm thinking, okay, how do, how do I do this? I, I noticed something. I noticed the Lord just kind of let me. I, she had tattoos all over her arms. And I, and I know, I know there's, a, there's a lot of people that has these type of things. And, 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 and usually, usually, not all the time, somebody just thinks they're cool. But usually there's a story. Usually there's something that's, that's, that it, it means something to them. It's a personal deal that means something to them. So I asked her. I said, ma'am. I said, ma'am, I noticed those, those tattoos. That's, that's pretty cool. And, 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 and uh, I, you know, I, I hear that there's stories behind it. I said, is there stories behind yours? Man. She said, I lost my daughter when she was 21. And she says, on the anniversary of her death, I, I, I'll go get something that reminds me of her. That was her tattoo. Be careful how you judge people. Be careful. I'm not, I'm not endorsing tattoos. I'm, I'm, just saying, I'm just telling you what happened. And this is what I said. She's, I'm just sitting there stunned, trying to think of what, okay, Lord, what's my next move? Because I'm telling you, it's packed. So I paid, and this is, this is what God said. I said, ma'am, on this year's anniversary, I'm going to pray that Jesus blesses you and gives you some peace and comfort. Because by the way, guys, if you ever lose a family member that tight, especially a parent with a child, you don't ever get over it. You may get through it, but you don't ever get over it. I said, I'm going to pray that Jesus just blesses your socks off. And I left. Well, you didn't give her the plan. I, I couldn't. That was not the deal. But if you would have saw the expression on her face. What are you saying? I don't know what Jesus is going to do. It's not my job. My job is to just do what the Holy Spirit leads me to do in the moment. Are y'all with me? If you want people to think you've been hanging around Jesus, you've got to have a ministry. You say, why? Because that's what Jesus did while he was here. He ministered. Jesus said, I didn't come to be ministering to, but to minister. I came to give my life a ransom. If you're not doing anything to alleviate the sorrow, the suffering, and the pain of others in some form or fashion, you haven't been around Jesus very long. But if you've been around Jesus, you know what you'll start doing? You'll start seeing people that other people don't see. I wonder how many hundreds and thousands of people passed this crippled man in that exact same moment, but they did not see him because he blended in, but they saw him. You know why they saw him? Because Jesus would have saw him. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Listen, you have a ministry. You have a ministry. Take advantage of opportunities given. I was getting a sandwich. I didn't go in there necessarily to make Jesus visible, but the Holy Spirit began to speak to me and said, here is a chance. 
And I just followed the Lord's leadership. Now watch this. Number two. Number two. Oh my goodness, hurry. Number two, write this down. They not only had a ministry, they were serving. They were alleviating the pain and the sorrow of someone else. They were helping people. They were helping people. Like I said, you say, I, don't ha- I can't heal nobody, but you can help somebody. You can help somebody. Number two, they had a message. And let me tell you something. The message is more important than the ministry. There are way too many, there's way too many Christians today who's got this mixed up. We don't go to the mission field just so somebody can have fresh drinking water. We don't go to the mission field just so somebody has a blanket. We don't go to the mission field just so we can help somebody see better. Somebody have, we've taken a group of doctors over there. That is not the main purpose. It's always about the gospel. You see, the miracle, please get this, please get this, please, God, don't go to sleep on me. If you're going to sleep, pinch yourself, pinch yourself, pinch yourself, stand up and shout. Say amen, do whatever you got to do, but hear what I'm telling you right now. Hear what I'm telling you. It's, this is not a social gospel. I'm all about clean water. I'm all about feeding the hungry. I'm all about helping the orphan. I'm all about all of that stuff. But every miracle in the New Testament was just a setup so they could deliver the message. The miracle was the tea. The golf ball was the gospel. Our serving someone, our helping someone, our ministering to the broken and ministering to the hungry is just to give us an opportunity to give them the gospel. You see what happened? They healed this guy. They healed this guy. And everybody wants to make a big deal about the healing. And that's great and that's powerful. But let me tell you what was bigger and powerful. Them 5,000 is going to heaven is a lot more important than that one dude that's walking. And see, here's what happened. They took advantage of an opportunity that God created another opportunity. Yes, we dig wells to give us a foot in the door so we can tell them about the living water. Yes, we serve food to the hungry so we can tell them that there is a living bread of life that will take your sins away. I need a witness in the house. If you're saved and if you've been hanging around Jesus, you have a message. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to go to seminary. If you're saved, you got a message. You say, what is that message? The guilt of man, the grace of God, and the gift of salvation. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't quote, quote verses like you can. Did you get saved? Have you been saved? Have you been converted? Then you have a message. You don't have to have my message. Use your message. Just tell people what Jesus did for you. The woman at the well is the greatest illustration of this. Are y'all with me? You know all them college students, the disciples? They was in seminary with the greatest professor, Jesus. They went into the village and got a sandwich. This woman who had a bad reputation, who was a sinner, who was a Samaritan, who was an outcast, Jesus 
changed her life. Jesus changed her life. She finally found what she'd been looking for. She was living that song, looking for love in all the wrong places. Been married five times and was shacking up with the one she was with now. But she met some, whoo, say amen. She met somebody who was different than anybody she'd ever met. She had met Jesus. And when she met Jesus, she got saved. And she was gloriously changed. How do you know she was saved? Because she had a message. And she, she went back to that same village that the college students come out of. And this is what she did. She went and told everybody, come see a man who done told me everything I ever did. He is the Messiah. Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny? The people we think, the people we think that's going to do the evangelizing has got the message. All they got was a sub. And this, this old heathen sinner woman hadn't been converted but just a few minutes. And her message was so powerful, it brought the whole city out to meet Jesus. What's the point? You can be a hillbilly redneck and you got a message. I'm just preaching the Bible. Remember? Ignorant and unlearned men. But they had been with Jesus. You don't have to go to seminary. Just hang out with Jesus. Let me give you the last one. Oh, goodness. Hurry, hurry. Last one. This is it. I'm already over time, so I'm going to give it to you anyway. All right? What was number one? They had a ministry. Number two, they had a, they had a message. Number three, they had a mentality. And this is really important because this is going to help you. This is going to help you because it helps me. How, how many of y'all in here? Look at me. Look at me. Don't, just look at me. Look at me. Look at me. In the balcony. In the balcony. 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 Those close to the Lord. All right. How many of y'all, when it comes to sharing your faith, making Jesus visible, you're a little on the shy side? Makes you nervous a little bit? Y'all got Charlie up there? Is that Charlie? That is Charlie up there. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I just saw you and it's just cool. Hey, we've been praying for Charlie. Amen. Awesome. Listen, I get nervous. Y'all think, oh, you're in that elevator and doing all that. Yeah, but I didn't want to. <clears throat> I'm standing there in front of a woman who's got tattoos all over, and, 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 I, and I'm going to start talking about something Christian with all these people in here? How am I going to do that? I'd rather be the one. A little bit less to me. You know what this verse 13 says? You know what stood out more than anything? He said, when they beheld the boldness. The boldness of Peter and John. You know what? The Bible says the righteous are bold as a lion. The wicked flee when no man pursueth. Let me tell you one thing you're going to have if you hang around Jesus long. Boldness. I prayed for it. I ain't going to lie. 
Let me say something about this. Let me say something about this. For all you that get nervous and you want to share it, you do. I know you do. Good night. If you're saved at all. I mean, if you're just saved to 20 minutes, you want to share your faith. But sometimes fear and anxiety and nervousness, shy, I get all that. But let me help you with something. This boldness, and I want to have it. I do, man. I want to be able to stand in downtown Coleman's. Get your Bible. Get, you know, I, that's, I want that. I, I want that kind of. But here's what I've learned over the years, and I, I see through this chapter. You cannot manufacture this. How many of y'all want to be bold and you tried? I'm going to be bold. And you end up a chicken. <clears throat> Come on, y'all. I know who I'm preaching to. Get with me. Right? You go in here, you, you know, you, you plan, I'm going to share the gospel, I'm going to give them the truth, and you chicken out. Come on. Because you can't manufacture this. Why were they bold? Let me, give you, let me give you a verse quickly, quickly, quickly. We don't have time. Look here. Look here. Verse 8, verse 8, chapter 4, verse 8. Hurry, 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 hurry. Get there. Are you there? Then Peter, filled with the Filled with the Holy Ghost. Peter's boldness didn't come from his character. His boldness came from the Holy Ghost. Let me prove it. Look in verse. They've been threatened. Don't preach no more in this name. They go back to the church. They go back to the believers. They begin to pray. Verse 24. They, when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. They begin to pray to God. And this, watch what they asked for. Verse number 29. Verse number 29, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Grant unto thy servants that with all, that with all, with all, they may speak thy word. Now watch, look in verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all, come on, everybody, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with... So when did they speak the word of God with boldness? When they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Why do you think that Jesus told the disciples in Acts chapter 1, don't, listen, stay in Jerusalem till the Spirit comes. He says, but ye shall receive power. Acts 1, 8, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Preacher, what are you saying? You have a message, but now you need a mentality. A boldness and fearlessness. Where does that come from? The Holy Ghost. You may tell you, you may tell you how I had the ability to talk to them people in the in the elevator and talk to that lady at Jersey Mike Subway Sub Shop. It was because the Holy Spirit gave it to me. And you cannot manufacture this. You have to ask for it. You have to pray for it. When they prayed for it, how many of y'all know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore? How many of y'all know God is no respecter of persons? How many of y'all know that if they ask for it, they got it back then. If we ask for it, we'll get it today. Watch, 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 watch. Verse 31, that the place was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They spake the word of God with boldness, and the multitude of them believed were of one heart and one soul. Look in verse 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. See, it wasn't about the miracle. 
It was about the message. God gave them the ability to perform the miracle so they could deliver the message. Let me prove it. Think about this. These were hillbilly fishermen. Redneck to the bone. They even said bad words every now and then. Come on, y'all remember? Peter did. Fishermen, they can get salty. Pardon the pun. How were they, how were they going to get an audience with the Sanhedrin? It would be like me going and saying, hey, I need to, I need to speak with the Supreme Court justices today. How how far do you think that would go over? They'd kick me out so fast. But guess what? God created an opportunity for ignorant and unlearned redneck fishermen to stand in front of the highest class society in all of Israel and deliver the gospel. What were they doing? They were making Jesus visible. God will create opportunities for you to help someone that's hurting. Not just so you can be a good citizen or a good Samaritan. It is so you can have an opportunity to give them the message of Jesus Christ. Let's hang out with Jesus this week. Because if you do, he will give you an opportunity. What do I need to do in between time? Pray, pray, pray. What do I pray for? An opportunity and boldness. Say it with me. Say it again. And all of God's people say it. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your blessings and your mercy. Thank you for the truth you've given us today. We need this in such an, just, just such an incredible, incredible way. We, we need to be in our communities letting people see Jesus in us. Help us to take this to heart. Use it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's stand. We'll, we'll, we'll never... We'll never, hopefully never give a message without an opportunity for an invitation. If you need to be saved, we've got people here. They can take a Bible and show you how to be saved. Maybe if you need to pray, maybe you need encouragement, maybe God's speaking to your heart about something, you can use it. We're not going to rush this invitation, and we're not going to lengthen it out. If you need to use it, here's your opportunity. Sing a verse, sing a verse, and then we'll be dismissed. And you've been on Sing, a long church. and rocky road. Preach, I need to get saved. Well, hey, we got people here. All you got and to do is come. And at times you feel cheated. You need to come. Won't you come? To 